Good morning, and welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. And we welcome each of you here this morning as we explore the spiritual topic of wisdom. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person, and it's in that tradition that I invite you to turn to those around you and greet the holy among us this morning. It's also our tradition in Unitarian Universalist churches to begin our services by lighting a chalice, which is a symbol of our faith. Please say with me our words for lighting the chalice. At this hour, in small towns and big cities, in single rooms and ornate sanctuaries, many of our sibling Unitarian Universalist congregations are also lighting a flaming chalice. As we light our chalice today, let us remember that we are part of a great community of faith. May this dancing flame inspire us to fill our lives with the Unitarian Universalist ideals of love, justice, and truth. Good morning. Today's call to worship is by the Sufi po poet Hafez, who lived 1315 to 1390. He was a Persian Sufi Muslim who lauded the joys of love and wine, but also targeted religious hypocrisy. His collected works are regarded as a pinnacle of Persian literature and are often found in the homes of people in the Persian-speaking world who still use them as proverbs and sayings. The beloved sometimes wants to do us a great favor, hold us upside down and shake all the nonsense out. Here at First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, we discerned a set of religious values together, and those values are transcendence, community, compassion, courage, and transformation. And to live out those values in the world, we came up with a mission. It's our common purpose. It guides our ministries and everything that we do, and we put it on our wall, and we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Today's centering reading is by Marcus Borg. Borg was a straight white American New Testament scholar and theologian who died in 2015. He was among the most widely known and influential voices in progressive Christianity. It happened as I was driving alone through a sunlit rural Minnesota landscape. The only sounds were the wind and the drone of the car. I had been on the road for about three hours. The light suddenly changed. It became yellowy and golden, and it suffused everything I saw. The snow-covered fields to the left and right, the trees bordering the fields, the yellow and black road signs, the highway itself. Everything glowed. Everything looked wondrous. I was amazed. I had never experienced anything like that before, unless perhaps in very early childhood, and so I no longer remembered it. At, at the time, I felt a falling away of the subject-object distinction of ordinary everyday consciousness, that dome of consciousness in which we experience ourselves as in here and the world as out there. I became aware, not just intellectually, but experientially, of the connectedness of everything. I saw the connectedness, experienced it, 
My sense of being in here while the world was out there momentarily disappeared. That experience lasted for maybe a minute and then faded, but it had been the richest minute of my life. It was not only full of wonder, but also filled with a strong sense of knowing, of seeing more clearly and truly than I ever had. Now is the time in our service where we breathe together. And breathing together, feeling the loving presence of those around us, we enter into a time of shared silence together. Some of us pray, some meditate, some of us simply follow our breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater wisdom, a place where our soul awakens that spark of the divine within each of us. And breathing together, we enter into that time of sacred silence together, remembering that in this congregation, human sounds and the sounds of small children are a part of our sacred silence. Breathing in, breathing out, we now enter into that time of sacred silence together.
The intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. That's Albert Einstein. This month, our religious education classes and activities are examining the concepts of awakening and wisdom. How do we awaken our wisdom? How is wisdom different than knowledge? Now, I'm betting that many of you, like me, have been following the developments with the coronavirus with some degree of concern. So I want to start this morning with a little wisdom from our public health officials on how to try to contain the spread of viruses. While there's certainly no reason to panic at this point, there are some practical things we can all do. First, number one, if we're sick and having cold-like symptoms, what do we do? Stay home. That's right. We've placed flyers all around the church with information on proper hand washing and other sanitary measures we can all follow, such as covering our mouth when we sneeze or cough and keeping food preparation areas sanitary. My very creative spouse, Wayne, also found a formula for making our own hand sanitizer and ordered the ingredients because hand sanitizer is sold out wherever you look. So we're going to make our own as soon as those ingredients come in and put it all around all the doors at the church so you can also sanitize your hand that way. Another thing we can all do is become aware of not touching our hands to our faces. We all tend to do this a lot more than we realize, and it's actually the most common way that we give ourselves respiratory infections. You should know also that the Center for Disease Control has recently uh, advised that older adults and folks with severe chronic illnesses stay at home as much as possible. Unfortunately, they do not define what they mean by older adults, so I can't help you there. If you, if you do make this decision to stay at home and you want to watch church services via the Internet, church staff will be happy to show you how to access the video if you don't already know how to do that. I also have an Internet service that will allow me to have a video conference with you over the Internet if we need to talk during the week. And finally, and this has been hard for me, I've messed up a couple of times already today, though many of us enjoy shaking hands and hugging each other, let's display our affection for one another with elbow bumps instead for the time being. The management team here at the church will continue to monitor the situation very closely, and we will let you know if any further precautions become necessary. Okay, public health announcement over, so back to wisdom. (laughs) Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German theologian, pastor, and anti-Nazi dissident, once wrote, Stupidity is a more dangerous enemy of the good than evil is. Against evil, one can protest. It can be exposed and, if necessary, stopped with force. Evil always carries the seed of its own self-destruction because it at least leaves people with a feeling of uneasiness. But against stupidity, we are defenseless. Well, current theologian and minister Tim Suttle writes that he is seeing a disturbing similarity in modern-day America's lack of wisdom as that of the Germans in Bonhoeffer's time. Suttle notes that what many Americans lack is not knowledge. 
Instead, instead, there is a refusal to apply that knowledge in wise ways and to dismiss as fake news any knowledge that contradicts our prejudices. Witness the denial of so many about the growing possibility for global climate catastrophe. Suttle says that contemporary America has lost several types of wisdom. First, the wisdom of compromise. He writes, quote, only fools believe in win-at-all-costs situations. It's not that he's saying that we need to sacrifice our beliefs and values, but he notes that we gain wisdom through relationship with each other, particularly those with a different life experience and worldview than our own. And he notes that we can do more together than we can from within our ideological trenches. Second, the wisdom of change. Trappist monk and mystic Thomas Merton once said, If the you of five years ago doesn't consider the you of today a heretic, you are not growing spiritually. (laughs) Yet so many folks remain entrenched in dogma and ideology, never learning, never growing. Growth and wisdom always, always involve change. Third, the wisdom of fidelity. Now, by fidelity, subtle means staying engaged with each other even when we disagree or make mistakes and being willing to work for the good of society over and above what we want for our own lives. Fourth, the wisdom of suffering. Subtle says that we gain wisdom through our hurts and our mistakes. None of us can really avoid making mistakes or having hurts in life, but too many of us try to numb these things through the use of drugs, alcohol, television, habitual shopping, smartphone binging, and the like. And finally, the wisdom of uncertainty. So much wisdom arises out of mystery and paradox in having the humility to recognize how much we really do not and cannot know. I love that reading from Marcus Borg that Leo shared with us earlier. There is a sense of mysteriousness and paradox in these ineffable experiences of interconnectedness and oneness that so many of us have had. And I think those experiences bless us with a wisdom that goes deeper than rational knowledge and moves us toward acting with more compassion and wiseness in our world. So ultimately, what I think Subtle is trying to get at is that too many Americans have lost our sense of interconnectedness and the many forms of wisdom to be found within it. Now, I would add to Subtle's list several other sources of wisdom. One is that sometimes wisdom can come from sorting through all of our rational knowledge to find out what's really useful and strip away that which is not. As our call to worship put it, shake all the nonsense out. Another is paying attention to what our bodies are telling us and getting in touch with our emotions. These are also a part of awakening our full capacity for wisdom. This is a lesson I have had to learn more than once. For instance, after my stepfather, Ty, who had been more of a father to me than my actual dad, after Ty died in April of 2015, I found myself having this experience of just feeling numb. There was a sense 
of unreality. And for a couple of weeks, I, I completely shut down emotionally. I went through the routines of life and my ministry here at the church, but I couldn't feel anything, much less locate the pleasure and joy I normally get out of life and ministry. And then one day I was talking with Meg, and I realized that what was happening was that I had been depressed. That for me, depression isn't a feeling of deep sadness. It's feeling nothing at all. It was only after this realization, after I finally let myself fully experience my grief and sorrow over losing my stepdad, that the depression began to lift. It was only after I let myself have a good cry or two that I also began to be able to feel gratitude, joy, happiness again. So our wisdom arises from our whole self, our reasoning and knowledge, yes, but also our physical and emotional selves. Now, as I mentioned briefly earlier, but it is well worth repeating, wisdom also comes from being willing to take risks and make mistakes. Sometimes our mistakes are our greatest teachers. So, as artist and writer Debbie Millman puts it, if you're not making mistakes, you're not taking enough risks. Make new mistakes. Make glorious, amazing mistakes. Make mistakes nobody else has ever made before. I also think we can find a special sort of wisdom within the metaphors contained in our stories, myths, and poetry. There's wisdom to be found in our music and drama, in our rituals and the arts. All of these help us to grasp and understand life's complexities in ways we can't with only literal thinking. This is the error, in my opinion, that too many people make by trying to read the Bible or other sacred texts literally what they do is they end up missing or even distorting the metaphorical wisdom that can be present in such text. For me, getting out into nature can also shift my thinking to this bigger picture, more metaphorical form of contemplation. Okay, we have now come to the portion of our service where I harp on the importance of spiritual practices, as I have been and will be during each time I preach this year. Spiritual practices... Meditation, gardening, knitting, whatever you find connects you with the greater wisdom that is already within you, also help us become even more wise because these practices can help shift our perspective on life. So sometimes, sometimes our knowledge doesn't change through our spiritual practices, but our understanding of that knowledge, our worldview, does. And likewise, our readings and hymns and musics and rituals, and I hope at least sometimes our sermons here in worship at the church, may provide us with new knowledge or insight, but it can also just help us shift our perspective around knowledge that we already have. And this is likely more true the more we can engage once again with our whole selves during worship, intellect, physical, and emotional. And this capacity to help each other grow wisdom, I think, is there throughout the life of this church. Certainly, I believe our wonderful teachers and other religious education folks, along with our public forum folks, are helping people of all ages to cultivate greater wisdom. 
When we work together for social justice and against all forms of oppression, we encounter difference, which in turn can enhance our own wisdom and shift our perspectives once again. Our work for the environment reminds us of the wisdom that we are indeed not separate from the interdependent web of all existence, but a part of it. Our UU Cares Council teaches us the wisdom of caring for each other. Our fun and fellowship and our games night remind us of the wisdom that we need. Fun, friendship, community, joy in our lives. Our art gallery, Paradox Players, our many musical programs bring these special sources of wisdom to us. Well, I could go on and on, but there are about another 80 or so ministry teams and church programs I haven't mentioned yet, so I'll probably have to stop there. My point is that as a religious community, and these in, in these and so many more ways, I believe we can and do help each other grow our wisdom. Now, Today is International Women's Day, so I would be remiss if I were to fail to mention that in Proverbs of the Hebrew Scriptures, God's wisdom is personified as woman wisdom, or Sophia. Sophia, woman wisdom, hearkens back to the tree of life. She was there at the very act of creation, frolicking in God's presence and taking delight as God fashioned humanity, the heavens, and earth. And this places woman wisdom, true wisdom, within that interconnectedness between the many elements of God's creation. So, my fellow guys, let us ponder in the days to come over what metaphorical truth Proverbs may be trying to teach us. I'll leave you with a poem by Unitarian Universalist minister Leslie Takahashi. It is titled, Labyrinth. Walk the maze. Within your heart, guide your steps into its questioning curves. This labyrinth is a puzzle leading you deeper into your own truths. Listen in the twists and turns. Listen in the openness within all searching. searching. Listen. A wisdom within you calls to a wisdom beyond you. And in that dialogue lies peace. Here, as a religious community, may we walk the maze of life together. Here, in this sacred place, May we help each other find the wisdom within that calls to a wisdom beyond. Amen and blessed be. Uh, now please say with me our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. For our benediction today, we have words from Khalil Gibran. Keep me away from the wisdom which does not cry, the philosophy which does not laugh, and the greatness which does not bow before children. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at 
austinuu.org.